Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. I want to encourage you to follow along with live notes if you can. And, and, and especially, you know, when you, if something really speaks to you, go back and listen to it again. You know, the, every time you listen to it again, you'll pull something out. The Holy Spirit will pull something else out of it. It's like reading the same scripture over and over again. It has a life and has application to your life. And the Holy Spirit will reveal things to you. So it's, the word's alive. We believe his word is alive. So I want to encourage you to get on board. And we're in a series, or part two of a series called um, Love Songs. It's based on the book, A Song of Solomon or Song of Songs. And it was funny because between services, a lady had just come to the first service. And she said, you know, I haven't heard anybody preach on Song of Solomon before. And I'm like, there's a reason why. It's a little, you know, it's a little steamy or whatever. And, uh, but it's so important for us to learn the principles in God's word based on uh, dating relationships, marriage, and sex. And the world's talking about it openly, too openly, and the church is too silent. And that's part of our problem. And so we get programmed to have the worldly mindset on things, which is completely different than God's mindset. It's funny because we want God results, but we want to do it the world's ways. And can I tell you, it doesn't work that way. And so God has a way that's better than the world's way could ever be. And you know, when God wrote the Bible, he covered every topic and he did it for the greatest experience possible. And that has not changed because time has changed because God's word's timeless. And so the things written way back in the day still hold true and still have power today. And so if we will listen to them and grab them and then do what the truth, the word is telling us to do and apply them to our life, we will see the results God uh, has expressed in his word, which is what we want. So uh, let's take a a look here today. Uh, Last week, we talked about the topic of attraction. We're actually following uh, Solomon and uh, and his lover from um, attraction all the way uh, post-marriage from they have... The honeymoon night. Let me just tell you, next week, come next week, mark this on your calendar, man. Come next week, we're talking about the honeymoon night. So you want to be here for that. Um, let me say this in advance. We have great childcare. <laughs> Children's ministry. We don't have childcare. Children's ministry, et cetera, et cetera. But we're going to talk. We're just going to read the Bible as is. We're not going to pull any punches. We're going to read it as is. I'm going to give you context of what God intended and his word with all the symbolism and the culture of the day. So it really is so important for us to grab a hold of that. We all know people need to be here. Come and be a part of that. We need God's perspective on it. And so I just want to let you know that. You can go last week as we looked at attraction. We're going to look at dating. This is applicable for everyone. I know if you're married, you maybe you'll have kids. You have family that has kids. You have friends. So this is something we all need to learn because the world has it wrong. God has a way. Actually, the Song of Solomon, our Song of Songs, takes us all the way from attraction, again, all the way to a real deep relationship. And we watch the steps progress there. So if you miss one of these weeks and you want to definitely grab it and listen to it again. Uh, but the world has a different mindset than God's word. But let's jump in. Song of Songs, our foundational text. Chapter one, verse one says, Solomon's Song of Songs, meaning this is the greatest thing that he wrote. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth for your love and more delightful than wine. Solomon knows how to love, not just in a romantic, sexual way. Basically, what she's saying is Solomon knows God's love and expresses it to people. And she's talking about everybody wants to love that way. Everybody wants to be around that kind of love because then she says, pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name, your reputation for the way you love, like God loves, is poured out. It's spreading. People want to be a part of that. People want what you have. They want to have a marriage like you're going to have. They want to have kids like you might have. They want to have friends like you have because you know how to love God's way. And then it goes on, your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder people want that, no matter what they want that, because that is the way. God's way is the way. 
God's way of love is the way, relationship, sex, and marriage. And so that's our foundational text. Um, I want to let you know uh, that today we're going to look at uh, dating the biblical model because the world's model is just totally messed up. And in fact, when you look at the world's way, I'm going to give you a statistic, 70% of teens are having sex before 19. Something's not working right there. And it's because the goods that the world's selling. And we have, if you will, the uh, experts, relationship experts of the day are not smarter than God. <laughs> and in fact, it's not working. We can see that. It's interesting to me, all the, the people that are, that are spousing relationships or have such influence in our lives and talking about things above God. God knows more than the Kardashians. He doesn't have to keep up with them. <laughs> we should keep up with God. We should keep up with God and his word. Uh, you can turn on the TV and you'll see a show called uh, Married at First Sight. Seriously? You don't meet him until you're saying the I do's? That's going to work right? Or a 90 day fiance. And it's just like the world's mindset and all these things, more and more of these things are popping up on all, all the, and it's just craziness. And I just want to, I, I, I say that, you know, without trying to disrespect anybody, but I, I'm like, the world's missing it. The world's missing it. We need God's mind on this. Romans 12, 12 says this new living translation. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Let God transform keyword. Let God transform. We need to be transformed. How? By the changing the way we think. Because the world programs us away a, a certain way. So we need to think the way God thinks, not the world thinks, and allow it to transform our life, especially in this particular area. Uh, the truth is dating is, is not as old as concept as you think. Dating as you see it today is relatively new. We've gotten away from the principles of old. And I know I'm 50. And I know I may seem, especially my kids, old school. Uh, okay, I get that. But can I tell you, these things work. And I believe them. And I'm going to preach them out of the word today as we believe God's expressed them through scripture. And so, you know, dating as we see it today is a completely new concept. Let me explain that. Um, because God had a different plan, a different biblical model. I think really, I think the world today is um, producing a lot of immature people relationally. There's a lot of immature relationships. And it's because they don't have foundation. They don't have the proper support system. Um, and I think honestly, and I don't mean to step on anybody's toes, but I think our, our young men, I think our young men today, and I'm saying that as a dad of daughters, I think our young men today seemingly are going up less and less mature. They're, they're maturing later in life and probably because we're playing video games all the time or something like that. I don't know. Right? <laughs> Quit playing video games and get a job, right? Quit playing video games and eating Hot Pockets. Get out there and get a job or whatever. I don't know. But, you know, it's like I have some daughters and I'm looking. At some point in time. And you say, I'm, I'm thinking the world, the culture is not working good. It's not. But God's way does. God works all things out for good. And I think that what's happened is with our younger generation is they engage in a relationship today without adult supervision. I don't need you. I got this mom and dad. I got this other people in our, my life. And they want to make, and I get that. I get that. I understand that, that want and desire. They want to make decisions by themselves. And, and I think the challenge there is, even though the world says 18 is an adult, 18 doesn't make you mature. And so it's foolish, if you will, not to tap into the experience and wisdom of those that have gone on before, especially concerning one of the most important things in life, and that's a potential marriage. And so I, I want to say this very carefully. I don't want to say this ugly or mean or anything today. Thank God that he's a God of new beginnings. I just want to, I want to let you know that this isn't a guilty get down on you kind of thing. It's like God has a way out. God has a way of starting today and let the past be the past and start fresh today. Start fresh new today. Don't feel guilt or feel embarrassment or anything. Don't, don't go there. We're going to look to the future, not to our past. 
And so, you know, we have young people today that don't want parents to question who they love. They don't want mom and dad to get involved in their relationships. And I think also today that back in the day, in the old school day, the way that girls were treated, they, they had some more, um, they ha- I don't know, they, they had something more there. I think now that they're despised a little bit and victimized a little too much. You know, things kind of happened on the girl's turf. You know, the guy had to come to the dad and the guy had to do this and had to do that. And she was at a place that she's different today. It seems like it's become male dominated. And, and I think there's great risk there. And again, we just can easily look at the world and see all the trouble that's come from all that. Things used to be more on her terms. And, and I know, ladies, it makes it hard for young ladies today. Again, I have an 18-year-old, almost 19, and a 17-and-a-half-year-old. But let me say this. I've been in full-time ministry for 25 years been a student ministry. I've been a senior pastor for 11. And I know, young ladies, it can be frustrating. I, I get that. It's frustrating to find a young man that's not spending all of his time, you know, doing other things than, than getting ready for life and future and goals and marriage. I, I also know that we live in a culture that it puts, puts these things at risk at times because of, again, the, the mindset, the dominating and those kind of things. And so I know it's not fun to go to, I talk to, I go to family gatherings, right? Talk to people all the time. It's like, man, I love family gatherings. But then Aunt Martha's like, when are you getting married? You're not married yet? It's like, what are you waiting for? The perfect guy? And you're like, no, I'm waiting for a guy that has a job, quits playing video games and not eating Hot Pockets all the time. It's like, it's just all I want. It's like, I want to be around that. And I just, I know you're frustrated, young ladies and stuff. And I just want to encourage you, just trust the Lord. Stay, hang in there. It's, and I know, hey, it's hard to see when all, the, all your friends come up then with a wedding ring on, right? Look, I got a ring, I got a ring. And all you want to do is ring their neck. <laughs> it's like, it's like, yeah, come over here, really. Show me that closer. But, you know, but let me give you the prevailing thought for this lesson. Ecclesiastes 3.1. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Our key word there is time or timing and season. There is a season, a timing for everything. Everything in its time. There are seasons when things are appropriate. There are seasons when things are inappropriate. There's a season of activity. There's a season of inactivity. The problem happens when you have the right feelings for a person, but it's the wrong season. Right feeling, wrong season. And parents know this idea about seasons and timing really well because they know that when their kids are younger, it's a season for school, right? It's a season for, if you left it up to the kid, they would never go to school. I don't care, get up. You're going to, I don't care if you're ever going to use algebra, okay? You're going to go anyways, all right? There's other things you're going to learn there, whatever it is, I guess. No, I'm just kidding. You know, you're getting up, going to school. I don't care if you're tired. And here's why, because one day down the road, this time of preparation is going to serve you well. And then there's a season after they graduate high school and you want them to get a career and you want them to maybe go to college again, uh, go to college rather, and, and go for a goal or uh, to major in something or, or get something in a trade or something like that. Why? Because you can see down the road, this will benefit you one day. Right now is the season for this. Why is it though that we focus on these seasons and we recognize them and understand them and, and we, we, we live by them except in the area of social activity? That's the area that we miss seasons in. And our teenagers are like, yeah, just go ahead, have a good time, and go have a good time, and, and you know, and, and yeah, that's great, you like that boy, oh, you like that girl, oh, great, yeah, enjoy, don't stay out too late, don't do anything I wouldn't do, be careful, and all of a sudden, the, 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 the guardrails that we've put on these other seasons aren't there. And it's sometimes because we don't know what they are, and because the world has told us one thing, no, they're independent now, that it's different in these days, and I think what a great trap that is. And God has some great boundaries for our good and for our benefit. And there's this time and season for everything, right? Feelings, wrong season. And, and this is a season uh, that we'll see here in, 
that we're going to understand a couple of changing of seasons in this dating relationship. And so, again, when we talk about what culture has, culture has it backwards. And again, we're, we're talking about getting involved in a whole bunch of relationships. And uh, we're not talking about having friends or different, just getting involved in a whole bunch of relationships. Have as many uh, boyfriends as you can because one day you're going to be tied down to one. Like, that's a bad thing. Enjoy life right now because... It's over when you get married, right? It's like, hey, come on, my wife and I, we love to cruise, we save our money, and we Christmas and all that kind of stuff. And so it's like every port we go to, every store there, souvenir shop or whatever, they have this black shirt with a stick figure, bride and groom on it, at the altar, and it says, game over. You know, like, seriously? Go have fun while you can, because at one point, you're gonna be stuck with just that one. Gosh, what is the world saying about marriage? Well, yeah, if you follow the world's way, but God created it to be amazing and wonderful and exciting. So, you know, we encourage this kind of mentality, but I uh, grew up here uh, most of my life and played uh, baseball for New Braunfels High School. And I remember our coach, probably all coaches say this. He always said this at practice. He said, you play like you practice. You play like you practice. And can I tell you, that's true, not just in sports. And I think what we're teaching our young people today about get in this relationship, out of this relationship, eh, blah, 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 if you don't like them, oh, I like you, I don't like you now, I like you instead, I don't like you now, I like you if you'll do this, no, you won't, I don't like you, I like you if you do this, yeah, I can't, even though you did this, I don't like you anymore, I like somebody else, and all of a sudden, and can I tell you, we wonder why we're in the shape we are, and let me just say this, because we play like we practice. That's what we're growing up learning because that's what the world says. Enjoy it, live it up, however you want to, but when you get married, it's over. Can I tell you, that's just when the fun starts. The way God has set it up. And we're cranking out generations of of young people that are playing like they practice and we think the divorce rate or we think broken hearts and broken relationships are gonna change, but they're not because we're still playing like we practice until we change how we practice. Things won't change. And God's word gives us the boundaries. God's word gives us what we need to live by and walk out. Right feelings, wrong season. And again, I know I'm 50 and maybe I seem out of touch, but can I tell you, as long as I stay in God's word, I'm always in touch. Because his word is. And so remember again, no condemnation today. We're not looking back, we're looking forward. Jesus makes all things new. Okay, Song of uh, Songs, chapter two, verse eight. We're gonna look at three seasons this couple goes through. Verse eight says this. Listen, my beloved, here, look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over. The, we just need some like, mood music for this. I mean, can you just say, she's watching, like, oh, look at him, he's leaping and he's bounding. And I'm like, okay. And then my beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. And then she's kind of like, yeah, he's like a stud. Look at him leaking, leaping and bounding. Look at that guy. And then there he stands behind our, and this gets a little kind of creepy, but it's not. But, and then there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. Really? That's a peeping Tom kind of guy right there. I don't know, but... But he's really not. But he's, she's talking about all this. He's wonderful. He's waiting for me. He can't see me. And he's leaping. And then uh, all of a sudden, he looks, at, he looks at her right here. It changes to, to him. And he looks at her and says, speaks to him. Arise, my darling. My beautiful. Hold on. Come with me. And he does it just like that. A little bit better Italian accent. But just like that. He does that like that. And see, here's what this is telling us. This is what it's telling us. They're in love. Oh, he's like, he's leaping. Sing, buildings, tall buildings with a single bound. He's Superman. And, and he's like, come with me, my darling. And let's, all this love stuff. And can I tell you, the thing about this I think is great. This first season that we see right here is what I would call the season of perfection. Come on, you know when you found, oh, he's just taking my heart. He can do no wrong. He is like Superman. Come run away with me, my darling. I love you. Come with me. Let's be together always. And, and, the, and the risk in the season of perfection is this. 
that love is blind. And we don't see the imperfections because we're in love. And because he's leaping and bounding. And because I want her to come and be with me. So we have to understand that in the season of perfection, there's great risk there for you and I. We have to know that that they do have faults. And help me out, married folks. Just, just give me an amen if I'm telling the truth. He or she ain't perfect. Amen. All right. None of us are. But the problem with it, yeah, some of you, I had little female voices rose above the male voices there. I was like, okay. The ladies are like, I love this church. But anyway, so it's like, but, <laughs> me too. Uh, but the problem with the first season is if, you're, if you think, what, what, let me say it this way, what, what the world promotes is that, is that love, everything's perfect. And, and what God gives us is some boundaries to see the imperfections. And, and not from a judgmental way, because that's not the point there, but, but we need to know what we're getting into. So there's three, um, I, I think three things that will help us understand uh, out of this. And, and we, we need to understand it because, let me say this about the season of perfection. Okay, you can't trust you. You can't trust you because you see him as leaping and bounding and he sees you or she as this come away, my beautiful darling, and we'll live happily ever after. In the season of perfection, when love is blind, you need other people because your love is blind and you can't trust you. And today's young people don't want input from people that can see the imperfections because they can see without the blinders on. But the world's like, no, it's what you and what you want. And I, and I get all that. I, I'm raising daughters. And so, but I understand this, this idea that, that there's this first season is a season of perfection. And you can't even trust yourself. That's why relationships fail. Because we've gotten free from any supervision, any help, any accountability, any input from people around about us. It's my decision. And it doesn't matter that I'm only 18 or 19 and I've I, I'm, I'm barely been on this planet. I know. Not, the season of perfection, you're your worst enemy sometimes. And that's why we ask people even before they get married, if one of us here, one of the pastors on staff is going to marry somebody, we ask them to go through a premarital class. Like you saw the thing on the screen, Tree TV, uh, the Simbus, we ask you to go because you need to see the imperfections. We're not trying to break anybody up, but we want to know that you see the real deal here. See, you need to be able to say, I do to the imperfections because that's what you're going to get. You're saying I do to the imperfections, not the perfections, because that's what you're going to get. And, I, and I, had, I heard this quote, I'm going to share it with you. Love isn't about finding a perfect person, it's about seeing an imperfect person perfectly through the eyes of God. See, it's a different mindset. That's why you can't trust the season of perfection. So, let me give you some tips here. Limit your time. Limit your time. Limit the amount of time that you spend alone with them. In this first season, when you think they're perfect, the worst thing you can do is for the two of you to go off and be alone. The worst thing, and, and again, and I, I said this, and, and they're, they're really, I'm sure, loving this series, my daughters, <laughs> and I, but I would say this way, in the season of perfection, young men need to come ask me if they can go out with my daughter, and they know to tell them that, because they're not just dating my daughter, they're dating me, yay, they're dating me, this guy, the fun guy, they're dating me. They'll never get us out now. I'm sure I mean, that's a, you're never going to, I'm not asking her out. Um, because they, they need the involvement, right? Come on, they need the involvement because they, it's the, I'm my own worst enemy in this season. And so we have rules around that and, 
You know, they're going to spend some time. We have family dates, kind of things, things that we'll do, set up. And hey, we don't want to be practicing marriage before we get married. Let me give you a second one. Okay, limit your talk, limit your talk, limit your talk. There's not going to be a whole lot of I love yous in the season of perfection. There's not going to be a whole lot of I'm giving my heart out emotionally. You know why? Because that leads to a lot of wounded hearts. What do you mean you love you? You've only known him for a week, right? I mean, he's like, you don't even know the mom and dad's name or whatever. I mean, you don't even, what they do and we're good and all this stuff. And, and come on, in my home, there's no sitting on the phone in the middle of the night for hours of the night, late at night when everybody else is in bed talking for hours and then eventually saying things you don't really even mean. You're just saying them out of emotion. So you get attached that way. Come on, we have a lot of wounded and broken hearts and there's a lot of people in here that can think back to some times or whatever in the past that those things just led to their broken heart. And so you need to limit that. We need to limit, and of course, and of course, limit your touch. You need to be careful in the season. There's going to be, it, those are times when the man, the season of perfection, man, he's leaping and bounding. He's looking good. He's a young stag. He's a young stud. He's looking good. They look their best then, right? Oh, man, she's fine. She's smelling good too. Guys, you can probably work on that a little bit also. also. Smelling good too. Right feeling, wrong season. Right feeling, wrong season. And you have to have these discussions if you're going to have to have Success. And can I tell you, it's not easy. I get embarrassed easy on those stuff. And it, having that talk and with my daughters, I took each one of my daughters when they turned 14, I took them to the coast, each one separately on their 14th birthday, right around there, and spent a couple of days with them. And we talked about purity, and we went through this kind of pathway to purity thing, and I, I gave them promise rings and all that kind of stuff. And we, we had the hard, dis- the uncomfortable discussions, it really was. But I needed to have it. And then we had fun, and each one, and they're, they're both different. I love, my, I love my girls equally. I parent them a little differently because of personality and gifts and callings, all that kind of thing. And so then we ended up the time, I'm like, okay, let's go do something fun. So Callie was the first one because she's older. And so she wanted to go uh, ride horses, surprise, surprise. And she loves horses. And so um, can I just tell you first, I'm not an outdoor guy. (laughs) But horses, yeah, that's, I like to pet them, maybe give them an apple. And so we went, and there's other people there at the stable, and there's a group of us and stuff. And of course, I ask anybody who's ridden, and Callie's ridden, you know, really great. And so she gets a horse rider, and the other, they give horses. There's a few people like me <laughs> left standing there waiting. And so they're coming, kind of looking, hmm, and they come back out with a horse and give one to someone, come back out with a horse. And so I'm the last guy. I'm like, I guess they saved the best for last. So I'm standing there, and they come out with the biggest horse I've ever seen in my life. I thought it was the Clydesdale. I'm like, are you kidding me? And they walk up and tell me, hey, this is your horse and stuff. I'm like, what's his name? And they said, warrior. I'm like, are you serious? Where's like fluffy or sugar pie or whatever? I got the warrior. Let me tell you, the warrior gave me a beating that day. I'll tell you that. I didn't walk. But we had a great time. And we kind of wrapped that time up there. And then Camry, Camry's the youngest. So when we went down to the coast, we had the same kind of talk and just dad stuff, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be there, you know, I'm, I'm, your, I'm your man until God brings your man and they give you away and all that kind of stuff, great stuff, and tell him I'll, I'll, I'm going to love you more than anybody else is going to love you, I'm your dad and I'll protect you and look out for you and all those things, and we did the ring thing, and then Camry, okay, Camry, what do you want, I was a little scared, Camry, what do you want to do, and she said I want to go fishing, and then when I fell, or got back up from passing out, and <laughs> thank you Jesus, and uh, went out on a boat in the bay fishing and it was so funny because I'm just, again, I'm not an outdoor guy. I like to fish, but I'm not an outdoor guy. And there's certain things I'll put on the hook and certain things I won't. And I know, see, I know, I know guys, I'm, you may want to take my man card, but bear with me. 
I got other great gifts, I promise you. I promise you. Go Cowboys. Anyway, so, uh, so we run out of shrimp. I can put shrimp on there as long as they don't pinch me and I get them and I put shrimp on there. And also we run out of shrimp and there's still a bucket of bait, but it's like cut up, dead, nasty, smelly fish, like blood cuts this bucket right there. And I'm looking at Camry and she's looking at me, waiting me to bait, for me to bait the hook. And I'm like, honey, I think it's time that you learn at 14 how to bait your hook. Because the thing laying on top is this cut up nasty fish head with one eye. And I'm like, I'm not, it keeps looking at me, Camry. I can't reach in there. It just keeps looking at me. So we're there and this little girl, there's a five-year-old girl next to us with her dad and she walks over, grabs the fish head and goes, here you go. And I'm like, who are you? And she got to be somewhere to go sit and time out or something. Get that fish head. I couldn't be a wimp in front of my daughter. So she puts it in my hand and I'm like, start chumming for sharks in a second and it's in there in my hand and, and Cameron looks at me and says gross I can't believe you're holding that I throw it out there I said thank you I don't want to hold that the little girl took her hand and wiped it across her hello kitty shirt and I'm like that's gross and she's like you want, to, want me to get you some more and I'm like no you stinky smelly fish girl no go away <laughs> no who are you my goodness but you got to take the time to have those discussions I'm going to make you laugh a little bit because it's not going to be so funny from this point on, but anyway, so. You need to have those, you need to have those discussions. It's important because the world's talking it up all the time. You don't trust you. They're not as perfect as you think they are. Okay, let's look at uh, chapter 2, verse 11 says this. See winter, next season. See winter is past. The rains are over and gone. It's a, it's a different season. Winter is a season that we know is, it's like right now it's cold. You don't do a lot of activity outside. It's a, it's, it's, it, it talks to us as an analogy. It's a symbolic of, it, it's an activity of inside preparation. There's things you do in the winter to get ready for the spring. If, if you're going to do your garden or you're, you're going to do your lawn, there's things that you do to, that help with the roots, that reach to the roots or prepare the soil before the spring and everything blooms. It, it speaks to time of preparation that you're inside working on you, working on your roots, working on your core because then spring comes and it's, it talks about how we then, we're not out there trying to find the right person, we're trying to be the right person then. There's a season that we spend trying to be the right person instead of finding it and winter is that time. It's talking about that season. There are things and preparation that has to happen in the winter season to prepare for the next one. And it goes on to say this in verse 12. Flowers appear on the earth. The season is singing. The season of singing has come. Cooing of doves is heard on our land. And it's talking there about now it's time and let's get out there again. And love is in bloom and we're singing and all these wonderful things. It's a season where now things can happen because we've already had a season of preparation. Now at that season we can start. And look at verse 14. It says this. My dove in the clefts of the rock. Now, talking about him, my dove in the clefts of the rock in the hiding places. Hiding places because he's not there right now. He's in the hiding place. I'll explain it in a second. On your mountainside, show me your face. Let me hear your voice for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. And so what's happening is he's not there right now because he's in a season of preparation. This is this next season. Season two is season of preparation. Because what'll happen is young men back in the Jewish culture, they will have to build before they get married what they call a huppa, H-U-P-P-A, a huppa. And what a huppa is, it is, a, it is a, a structure that they will get married under. It is a covering that they'll get married under. It's symbolic of the, their first home, of the building of their first home together as husband and wife. And so what happens happens is these young men go in this time of preparation and they go with their dad and their dad is there instructing them how to build a huppa and how you do it like this and good job son or do this. And so if you were to ask the young men, so when are you getting married? He'd say, go ask my dad. 
Only my dad knows. What do you mean only your dad knows? He's the only one. He knows when I'm ready. Why? Because he's, he's helping me. He's mentoring me. He's training me to get ready. And when the dad thinks that Huppa is good and ready and done well, he'll say, good job, son. Now you're ready. Time of preparation. See, and I think, and I think that's the thing that we lack. Preparation? What are you talking about? I'm marrying age. It's like, no, I think the world really misses this one. Time of preparation. Spending time working on who you are, working on your core, working on your relationship with God. Focus on being the right person, not finding the right person. It's a season that we need to take time in and allow things to be worked in our life. And, and the dad was there and, and supervising. The woman during the season would, would close, be closely guarded by the mother and she would protect her from doing anything inappropriate. And their friends were a part of this season. And we know the, the daughters of Jerusalem that were watching them, but their friends were a part of the season. And can I tell you, actually, groomsmen, we get married now. Today's ceremony, we have bridesmaids and groomsmen and lots of them or just a few of them or have you do that. Can I tell you where that came from? Groomsmen and bridesmaids were the friends of the bride and groom that were in this relationship to get married, but they were charged with protecting the relationship. Groomsmen were charged with, in the season of preparation, making sure the groom didn't do something stupid. And, and the bridesmaids were, were there to protect the bride and making sure she didn't do something stupid. Now, I don't think you should go there alone with him. I, I know you're engaged and going to get married soon, but hold on. Don't blow it yet. And groomsmen would say, I don't think you should be getting that close to her right now and just hang in there. Don't go there yet. And they were part of the protection. Today, it seems to me, in today's world, groomsmen were the ones throwing the bachelor parties and bridesmaids throwing the bachelorette parties. Not protecting the bride and the groom in their relationship. And how great is it to stand up there as a bridesmaid or as a groomman knowing, the groomsman knowing that I help protect this thing, now it's time. That's what that's about. It's the season of preparation where everybody's working together to protect it, keep it the way it is intended. And they would, they, they would be there and help them do that. Protect the bride and groom from doing anything they shouldn't in the season of preparation. Let me, me give you three characteristics of the season of preparation. Number one, standards are extremely high, extremely high. I, I don't believe that to be the case today. I, I think ages 13 to 22 have little or no standards. They just want to have fun. They just want to try stuff. They want to experience stuff. That's why huge numbers of teens go to college and for the first time they drink and smoke and kiss and other things, have sex. And we encourage unsupervised relationships and we encourage inappropriate actions. If you think it's cool, TV thinks it's cool, college thinks it's cool, whatever that is. And that's wrong, it's not working. Now I, I heard somebody say it this way one time, standard, sometimes when it comes to standards, dad have higher standards for the car. If a young man comes to ask, Today, his daughter, his daughter, yeah, okay, just, you know, you kids have fun, but if you come and ask to borrow my car, whoa, hold on. My car? Come on, I've tried to borrow some cars. I'm not going to look at them, but I tried to borrow some cars in here, and they, they turned me down. I'm like, okay. No, I'm just, it's like, okay, so where are you going to go with this car now? And how long are you going to have it? Don't drive it hard. Don't drive it fast. And make sure you're not out all day with it. And listen, there better not be a scratch on it. I'm sorry, where do you want to take my daughter? And how long are you going to stay out? And don't be hard on her. And don't go too fast. And there better not be a scratch on her when you bring her home. We need to have higher standards, and this world has. Higher standards. This world has. Families were involved. Number two, families were involved. 
Families need to be involved because of the reasons we've already stated. I won't go back there. And you might say this, but here's the pushback. Well, I don't have a family or I don't have a good family. And I would say to you, yes, you do. You got a church family. And that's part of what churches are for. If you don't have that family there, we're your family. Listen, young people, that's why you connect with your youth pastor. You connect with those in that position of authority there, and you can bounce stuff off. You can be accountable to them. That's why we have marriage class and marriage for, marriage for life right now and marriage life groups going on. That's why you need to get in community groups, and you need to get in life groups, and you need to serve somewhere and build relationships because the church is supposed to be a family. Amen. They're there to help and support you, especially in the season of your life. You need someone who wants to tell you that will be willing to tell you the truth. And when I say the truth, let me say it, the truth, capital T, meaning God's word. You don't need to surround yourself with people that tell you what you want to hear, that love you enough to tell you the truth, even if you don't want to hear it. That's what a family does. They don't tell you what you want to hear all the time. They're there to tell you the hard things, to give you the truth. And then third thing is access was conditional. There's boundaries. We just turn them loose today. Today's world, ah, just kids. No, there's boundaries, guardrails. Put guardrails in place. The scripture has them. It's time to come back to godly standards if we want godly results. Listen, all of us, we've all had failures. We've all made mistakes. So let's start from here, right now, today. Let's all start from right here and move forward and not live in the past. I heard somebody say the other day, I think it might have been Daniel Eric Groves, that's why when you're driving a car, you're looking out a huge windshield and the rearview mirror is so small. Because we're supposed to be focused on where we're going, not where we've been. And Jesus makes all things new. We start new today. Uh, chapter 2, verse 15 says this. This is Solomon speaking. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. The little foxes that ruin the vineyards are vineyards that are in bloom. Because the foxes would come in and when the, when the fruit was flowering or budding or just beginning to bud the just beginning to mature, the foxes would come in and eat them and just destroy them, ruin them. And so let me say, what Solomon's talking about here is her purity. It is exactly what you think it is. He's saying exactly what you think he's saying. It is as graphic as you think it is. It's absolutely. And Solomon's talking about protect your purity. And having said that, I know that God makes all things new. I know that God restores. I know that God is a good and faithful God. And Solomon's saying, save yourself for me. And notice, young men, that it's Solomon saying that. Solomon was protecting her purity. Come on, we need to raise up young men that'll be protecting the purity of these young ladies. Not the responsibility of the young ladies having to fight off the young men. Young men need to own the responsibility. Don't try and take her purity protect her purity. And young ladies, if he's trying to take your purity and not protect it, you need to question him. You need to question his heart. You need to raise up. That's why we have a youth group. That's why we want to raise up God, the young man. They meet one, uh, first Wednesday of the month, they have a big celebration service. And then on Sunday mornings, they have classes for discipleship and, and we're getting into small groups for accountability and challenge them and grow them. And we need to get them involved. And can I say this? We had the men's breakfast yesterday. Thanks for all the 70 guys that came. It was awesome. A lot of guys signed up for groups. Can I say this? A lot of you men, a lot of you men need to lead small groups with young men in them. And a lot of you women need to lead small groups with young women in them because you're more experienced. You know you've been there. You can speak into their lives. 
And so we need people that will help catch the foxes. Let me give you this last one. Having said all that, the third season is purity. Season of purity. It's where we say, I'm going to hold to a standard. But hey, let's be real. We all get tempted. I mean, honestly, we live in a world where temptation is everywhere. It's the reality of our culture. I mean, let's acknowledge that it's the reality of our culture. It is what it is. Now, we don't have to participate, but we can't do it just trying to fight it off ourselves. We need to get connected. We need relationships. We need to include people. All the things that we've already talked about. And again, if we've been to a place where we've made mistakes and failure, thank goodness his mercy is new every morning. Amen? God can make all things new. So let's connect. Let's help each other. God wants to bless you. Let's read uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. All night long on my bed, I looked for the one my heart loves. I looked for him, but did not find him. I will get up now and go to the city, through the streets and squares. I will search for the one my heart loves. So, that, so I looked for him, but did not find him. The watchman found me as I made the rounds in the city. Have you seen the one my heart loves? Scarcely had I passed him when I found the one my heart loves. I held him and would not let him go. I hadn't seen him. Where had he been? He'd been in that season of preparation. I held him till I had, and listen, I hadn't seen him a long time. I held him and would not let him go till I had brought him to the, my mother's house, to the room of the one who conceived me. You know what she's saying? Man, I hadn't seen him in a long time. I couldn't wait. I was ready to see him and hold him again. And so I didn't get in trouble. I went to the place of purity. I went to my mom's room. I made a commitment. We're not going to mess this up. We're not going to make a mistake. We're going to follow God's way. And having said that, I just felt bad saying mess it up. I just want, you haven't messed up your life. God specializes in new beginnings. So I should have used a different word, so forgive me for that. You haven't messed your life up because God is still God. And he still has a plan and destiny for you. Amen? We just will live life forward from here. But she says, here's my commitment. Instead of spending alone, let's go, let's go be alone right now. I haven't seen you in a long time. It's, we're going to go here to my mother's house where my mom is. Have that commitment. I'm going to close with this scripture. And this is the one we closed last week. It's four times throughout the course of this uh, book. And so it says this, daughters of Jerusalem, friends that are watching, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Don't awaken love before it's time. Don't awaken love before it's season. Right feelings, get them in the right season and you will be blessed. Amen. Let's pray. My heart, my hope today was to try and present this in a way that would not make us feel guilty or condemned or any of that. And I hope that you did, and that's not the Lord if it is. But that would give us hope for our future, to move beyond our past, and let the God of new beginnings work in our heart and our life and give us fresh starts. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.